Coming up in today's episode, I'm talking to founder and CEO of FitHit, Matan Kavish. You know, people think that mental fortitude is something that is, I mean, th- there's a lot of depth to it, like once you go into it and once you start living it, but it really starts with the little things. It's not not sweating the little things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's this one sentence that my that I learned in the army, like the very first week, <laughs> that totally shaped the way that I that I live life after that. I've spent the last two years learning from industry experts and successful business owners, going behind the scenes to discover what makes these entrepreneurs successful. Follow along with season eight of Unleash Your Focus podcast, where I dive in deeper than ever before, unlocking trade secrets, discovering what makes these entrepreneurs successful, but also really understanding their habits, frameworks, blueprints, secrets, and so much more. I also ask one important question, and that is how they have grown and scaled their business to a million or more. I'm excited that you are here and I can't wait for you to apply these strategies so you can become successful too. Welcome to Unleash Your Focus podcast, the number one place that will help you to start, grow and scale your online business today. I have mentioned before how much I love my podcast. I get to interview incredible people from around the globe, people that have created businesses or should I say entrepreneurs that have created businesses that are making an impact in other people's lives. They are driven, dedicated, motivated, they are successful and they are humble. And today I get to interview Matan Kavish. Matan is not your average fitness expert. He holds an MBA from Columbia University and he is a former special ops soldier and Krav Maga combat fitness officer in the Israeli Defense Forces. Matan has also appeared as a world-class expert in dozens of publications and networks, including Women's Day, The New York Times, National Geographic, CBS, Anderson Love, The Today Show, Shape, Fox and BBC and more. And it was an absolute honor for me when Matan agreed to be on my show today. So thank you, Matan. I really appreciate your time and thank you for being here today. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. Thank you so very much for having to like being on my show. I really appreciate your time. And I know that you've got a little girl and she's been giving you sleepless nights. So we would even more appreciate that you actually having this interview with me. Can you tell people a little bit about you, where you're from, where did you grow up? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I'm originally from Israel. I grew up there until age 21. I did my, uh, my military service there. Uh, that's where I was first exposed also to the world of Krav uh, Maga, hand-to-hand combat, self-defense, and, and so on. Um, and then I moved to New York at age 21, right wow. after. Wow. What made you go to New York? What was the, the moving factor there? You know, I'd, I'd love to say, like, that I've done a lot of research and all that other stuff, but really what it was, I was I was out of the army for a couple of months and I was working like three or four jobs at the same time. Wow. And I just didn't see myself like moving really fast. And I got some offers from like the Secret Service, which I was like thinking about you know, from the government. So I decided I uh, I needed to see what else is out there. So I didn't, I actually, I walked into a travel agency not knowing where I was going to go. Oh, wow. So I worked in a travel agency and I saw pictures of the Chrysler building on the wall. And I asked the guy, where is that building? I want to I be there. <laughs> like, there was something about the, the image of the Chrysler building that just like, captured me. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, that's New York City. I was like, okay, Danny, I want to go there. <laughs> how, do, how do we make that happen? <laughs> so that's how, that's how I ended up in New York. I mean, if the picture wasn't there, I don't know, maybe I'll end up in South Africa if I see some, <laughs> something interesting there. But it was a completely spur of the moment, emotional, quick decision. 
New York, there's just something magical about New York. Um, I, I lived in Connecticut for about a year um, in 2003, 2004, and I just loved it. It's just magical. I actually have a picture right here of the Empire State Building on my wall here. I just, I just love it. It's just, it's just awesome. So how long have you, how long did you, when you were in New York, how long did it take you to start your business? So um, interestingly, I got into uh into fitness uh, very early on then, also kind of like by accident. I didn't know that, because I already had a lot of skill set from my military service. Mm -hmm. um, I had huge background in, in fitness and in, and in combat. Yeah. And I got certified by the army and all these things. I just didn't know that it, that it had value in the real world just yet. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I started, I actually tried to be a bartender. Like I didn't even think about opening my own business or, or any, I just saw, <laughs> Again, I was a very easily influenced young man back then. You know, I saw a movie with Tom Cruise, how he's a cool bartender. I was like, oh, I can do that. I should be doing that. So I went to bartending school. <laughs> you know, it's a silly story, but that's really like, I saw the movie and I saw a picture and like, that's how my life started that going. Uh, yeah, so I did a bartending course. The problem is in the middle of winter and nobody was, nobody was hiring, especially you know, immigrants with terrible English. Now my English is good. It's been a while, but you know, back then I had pretty shitty English and there was no, uh, uh, not to mention my immigration status didn't allow me exactly to work back then. <laughs> but, you know, so, so I was just like going from like bar to bar trying to find a job and I got caught in a snowstorm and I saw a gym that was open and I went to the gym to actually escape the snowstorm. And I heard the sales guy make a sales pitch for personal training to some other client. And I was like, how much do they charge an hour for personal training? That's crazy. <laughs> you know, so one thing led to another. And when he asked me, what did I want? I was just there to get away from the snow. I told him, I am here for your personal training position. I am the best trainer in the world. Blah, blah, blah. I made a sales pitch there and, uh, and ended up like I was hired uh, as a trainer. But very, very early on, I found my niche with law enforcement and security forces and you know all the tough guys that I had all that knowledge yeah so uh, I started I started training them um and then within a few months I decided to kind of go on my own and then open up my uh my first training business mm -hmm. very small just to get myself through uh college nice so that's kind of like how it started when you when you started in the army, did you was that like something that you had to do in Israel, or was it just something you wanted to do? Yeah, Israel is a uh, is a mandatory service uh, country, so every eighteen year old has to has to become a soldier. Uh, my my path led me to to the world of combat, which has really opened my eyes to to what's possible. Yeah, um, and it's 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 great. I believe that it really gave me an advantage over a lot of other people to have experienced it as a soldier in Israel first mm -hmm. and then being able to put a different spin on it when I came to the States. Yeah, because you obviously experienced firsthand how you know physical fitness can help you with mindset and just helping you on the right direction. Is that something that you found when people would come to you when you started your own little training center that you found that people struggled with those type of things and you could help them through that? I would say that the uh, the mental fortitude aspect of my training is what ultimately defined not just how I train others but also how I live life. So I can always I can always go back and 
connect every major achievement in my life to a moment of mental fortitude of looking at whatever is happening through through a lens that is different um, than just looking at something for for what it is. Um, and and that is something that I did learn as a soldier early on. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's, <laughs> it's interesting. Like that's um, you know people think that mental fortitude is something that is. I mean, there's a lot of depth to it. Like once you go into it and once you start living it, but it really starts with the little things. It's not not sweating the little things. Mm. Uh, and there's this one sentence that my that I learned in the army, like the very first week, <laughs> that totally shaped the way that I that I live life. After that, it was it was so simple. Uh, I had a, I had a small problem. Like the problem was very small. It was my bottle was leaking. Like I had a water bottle, like yeah. a military canteen, whatever, and it was leaking. It was just uncomfortable. Yes. And I told the commander, you know, "Hey, this thing is leaking." And he goes, "Well, that's what you got, and you're gonna win with that." <laughs> like, all right, <laughs> that's a small problem. Okay. And then you kept hearing that answer with almost every problem that was raised, you know? So even like slightly bigger problems, you know, well, with the vest, it doesn't fit quite right and it cuts me and I'm bleeding. Well, that's what you got and you're going to win with that. So like every small little things, that was the first go-to sentence. That's what you got and you're going to win with that. You got and you're going to win that. So after you hear it like a thousand times, you start really not sweating the small things. Like the small things don't even become a problem, especially when you actually win with that. Okay, so it's uncomfortable and you're bleeding, but then you end up winning. So it, it really wasn't an obstacle. Like it only felt like an obstacle, right? But it wasn't really an obstacle. And it stopped being an obstacle when somebody with authority basically told me that's, that's a non-obstacle, right? Like stop looking at it through yeah. the lens of obstacle, right? Slight discomfort, wow. whatever, you know, yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> like then just remember like the bigger picture of what we're doing here. Um, so what happens is once you start developing that that mindset of not sweating the little things, mm -hmm. you start not sweating the big things, you know? So when the big, big yeah. hurdles and obstacles come your way, mm. instead of looking at it in a very negative, oh my God, like, why me? How am I going to handle that horrible thing? Well, that's what you got and you're going to win with that. Like, that's like the first thing that you say. <laughs> and it lends you to finding solutions. So... Uh, so, I, so I would say, right. So like those, those lessons, they don't just come in as something that I preach to mm -hmm. all of my students to, to hold them up to a higher standard of living and higher standard of performance, mm -hmm. but also in my own life, in my own business, my own team, like my own team knows That's what's an obstacle, right. And that most things aren't obstacles. Not Cause really. You're, Cause you're, you're actually, cause you can talk yourself into this obstacle fear as well you know this thing holding you back because your human brain is so extremely powerful um it actually you can convince yourself that it's a bigger thing than it actually is right yeah and it's and it's and it's easier to do it actually yes yeah um especially if everybody else has experienced the same thing so i always look at like the last big thing that's going on like right now like the coronavirus which is a huge obstacle especially for you know like if you are if you are a business like Zoom, which we're on right now, or Amazon, that were a natural solution to the problem, you wouldn't look at Corona as an obstacle. You look at it as an opportunity. Yeah. But if you are a gym like me, yeah. and on day one of coronavirus, gyms become illegal. Like you, have, you know, like you can't operate gyms anymore. 
it feels like a really huge obstacle, mm-hmm. right? And, and when so many gyms are going out of business, one after the other after the other, small ones, but also huge ones are going bankrupt. You know, eight-figure gyms and nine-figure gyms, you know, billion-dollar companies, yeah. public fitness companies are just declaring bankruptcies right now. Then it's even easier to look at it and say, well, it's just this huge obstacle and I should accept the, you know, our fate. Yes. But when you look at it and it's like, all right, global pandemic, we're illegal to open. Well, that's what we got and we're going to win with that. Like when you bring that into the conversation, all of a sudden new ideas come up and new ways to pivot and new ways to serve the community that's different. Yes. And not just different, but even better. You know, I'm today sitting very proud that the new product that we've created during the coronavirus serves our client better than we did out of a brick and mortar facility in Midtown Manhattan. That's amazing. We actually, um, I met Midtown through, well, not physically met on the call, but we're part of the same coaching program. And uh, so he did, a, we did a summer day for three days. And on one of the, the day, one of the summer, the one that I was part of, he actually did a presentation on basically what his company went through and how the coronavirus literally closed everything down and he had to start from scratch and his story was so incredibly motivational and inspiring even the people that was on the summit we actually talked about it today on our call store and your little motto to say that you know this is what you got and you have to win with it everybody's talking about that all the time and I've been telling people and it's it's such a small sentence but yet it's so incredibly powerful can you dive in a little bit and just you know what's that very first thing that you decided to do after it became illegal literally to operate your business what was that first thought that came through your mind was it obviously you know this is what you got and you got to win with it but what was the next step that right. you had to do so yeah so so i'm i'm generally a positive person and when i see obstacles i usually try to look at them as opportunities but i'm not going to sit here and lie to you that i wasn't emotionally affected oh yeah and everything was, was stopped i was flooded yeah. with a wave of negative emotion which i think everybody that loses control uh feels so control is something that i am very that i very much need in my life in everything that i do Mm -hmm. and i believe that every entrepreneur one of the reasons we become entrepreneurs is to be able to have control of what we do our successes our failures it's all up to us as entrepreneurs to make it to make it happen when you are an employee uh, not everything is under your control. You cannot direct the business 100%, right? There's always an entrepreneur somewhere that, it's direct, that directs the business 100%. You can affect the direction if it's a good kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it's the entrepreneur's job to have 100% control of the direction of, of the business. Uh, and this is something that most entrepreneurs find attractive. Like that's why we go into it, even though it's way harder work and way more hours and so much more risk and so much more things to juggle and to think about right so the cost of that is very is very high Uh, but for us it's worth it okay Mm -hmm. because do or die it's 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 up to us and uh and it's it's this entrepreneurial spirit that i've always felt comfortable with but what happens to people like us when they get stripped out of control right there's like there's these four emotions that we know they they happen to to people like us, right? And the first one is uh, anger. <laughs> like that was the first one, okay? And then fear, anxiety, and sadness. These were like the four that's like in different times and different ways were hitting me and sometimes all at, all at the same time. Mm. I can tell you that the saddest moment was when I, because I, I grew my team from a small team of six to a team of 32 within the span of a year. So we grew extremely fast. 
during 2019, just before 2020. Wow. We were we were riding really high on a massive growth uh, scale and quadrupled, and we hit the the Inc. 5000 list. And I jump I put out my thing over here. <laughs> fastest growing companies in the 5000 fastest growing companies in the U.S. Uh, it was all just before Corona. Uh, corona hit, and uh, and I was I was very proud of my team, and I loved every single person on on my team. They were all handpicked, and they were all rock stars, and they were all like micro entrepreneurs that wanted to make a difference in the world. And, you know, we all found like the same platform, which is FitHit, which we knew was going to be like, make a huge difference and make an impact. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had to let go of almost two thirds of my team in, in like a single day, right? Because there's, there's no more facility, right? So we have a huge facility. It's a 9,000 square foot facility in Midtown Manhattan and it needs people to operate it. But now there's no facility. So, mm -hmm. so that, was, that, was, that was very difficult. Uh, but what I did find is, uh, and this is something, again, I live by it and I, I, uh, I, I teach it, I preach it, I suggest to everybody to do it. Mm -hmm. You have to connect your physical well-being with whatever is happening in the world. So as, as, long, as, as long as your physical well-being is high, mm -hmm. you're in a better place to start making decisions, which is why I like to start every crisis with a workout. You know, so like, like <laughs> so start your crisis with a workout. So I can tell you that we found out we were on a call. The entire company was on a call when we found out that we had to close. <laughs> it was like everybody was there. And then we found out and we were actually on the call. We were, we were talking about it. And it was very obvious that wow. we have to shut down today. Like yes. it was very obvious that most of the people on that call will not be working for us anymore. Uh, wow. So, it, you know, from an emotional standpoint, it was devastating. Right, like I had to shut down the camera because I didn't want him to see me, you know, like where I was emotionally. Yeah. Uh, which was it was it was brutal for me emotionally. And then I finished the call and I and I went to a run, right? Because I, you start every crisis with a workout. And what happens when you run? Like what happens when you actually do do the workout? Your brain. Endorphins is something that's very real, okay? And what endorphins do is they, and and also and also stress hormones is something that's very real. So when you're stressful, your body actually generates hormones, called glucocorticoids and cortisol, and a bunch of stuff. Like this stuff really comes out of your body when you are stressed. There's two ways to combat that. One is medication, and the other one is workout. Most people turn to medication because it's easier. Mm. It's stupid. You can solve it with a workout. You know, like nine out of ten times, you don't need meds. So when I feel the stress go up. I understand that there's a crisis that's happening and I like to solve my crisis with the workout. So I went for a run. I also happened to be in Hawaii on my first vacation with my wife in three years when that happened. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. It was like, it was like, all right. So I also, you know, my run was on a beautiful beach in, in, in Hawaii. So, uh, so, but that was, that was like the first few moments of, of understanding that everything needs to be changed. Uh, but what happens when you, when you physically force the feeling of stress away from you, right? Because the hormones that cause it just break down during 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 physical activity. Yes. Now you can start coming up with better ideas and better solutions. And you can tap into the positive aspects of your mind. Right? That the the voice that says that's what we got and you're gonna win with that, mm -hmm. you have to give it room to hear it. And when you're stressed and everything's happening, it's like it's like a roller coaster and you're you don't even hear that voice. Yes. Okay, which is which is a very important voice. Yes. So I start every 
crisis with a workout and and then the positive voices that they find them way, their way into my consciousness yes yeah and then when, when my second conversation with whoever is left which was a much smaller team um yeah we understood the new realities and we we pivoted instantaneously to to online training and yeah we had to compete with quite a lot because isn't there already a lot of people that did already the online training modules yeah so it was interesting so there's always competition right like i there's there's and we live in manhattan which is like the like if you walk if you stood in the door of my location and you didn't move you just looked left to right you could count seven gyms <laughs> from standing without ever taking a step seven gyms on the block so I'm not foreign to competition. I like competition. I enjoy competition. Nice. I can tell you that I, like when I saw what other companies have done, way bigger companies than, than my own, like we were, we were doing okay. Like we were not a, a tiny company. We we're probably in the top 1%. Uh, not probably. There was a time where we were in the top 1% of gyms in the US that only had a single location, okay? Which was a, a wow. year after we opened. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I don't know where it is now because I don't know how many gyms are still <laughs> operating. Like the, yeah. the market is still weird right now. So there's not a lot of like c- concrete data. Uh, but back then things were pretty straightforward and we knew where we stood. Yes. Uh, so I, I have no problem with, uh, with competition. But what I like though is that massive companies, and we're talking companies that are 600, 700 million dollar companies, 800 million dollar companies, that I was targeting their clients, right? Like these are, they had the client that I wanted. Yes. Their shift was unimpressive to me, right? So they, all of a sudden, they got stuck in a world that it doesn't matter how much money you have. Everybody's stuck at the same place. A camera, an instructor, music, (laughs) who can do it better, right? (laughs) And it's like, what does an extra, what does an extra $10 million give you? Nothing. <laughs> from from a product standpoint, right? Not from like a marketing standpoint, which is a whole other competition, but from a product standpoint, yeah. not much. Yes. Right? So in the real world, the pre-corona world, those companies, you would walk into their facilities and they were gorgeous, right? It was millions of dollars invested in the facility and the equipment and the lighting and the, in all this stuff. Yeah. And when I opened my facility, I wanted to compete with that. So I invested all ton of time and money to build the most beautiful boutique in the city knowing that um, that my product will be able to get replicated and I'll be able to compete with them directly in the brick and mortar world. Okay? Yeah. That was, that was, yeah. And I can tell you, like, after our first year, we had, like, investors lined up and they were all like, holy shit, like, your, your one location is outperforming every single location of all those big companies. Wow. So it's easy to know that it can get replicated and do well. Yes. But then what happened? Physical locations didn't matter anymore, right? So the fact that you had a beautiful facility didn't matter. The fact that you can open up a facility, put $10 million into the best floorings and lightings and equipment and music. And it was a stupid gym. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to mention them by name, but their marketing was, we invested a million dollars into our lighting and sound. I was like, yeah, but your training is shit. Like, <laughs> but that was my competition. You know, that was a competition. You, their Facebook ads literally said how much money they invested on lights and sound and uh which was so ridiculous right in my eyes meanwhile we had bigger classes more people more everything doesn't matter but we were under the radar for a while 
<laughs> but my point is that all of a sudden, a million dollar sound system didn't matter. Everybody was listening through their computers with their shitty speakers, right? <laughs> like, like it doesn't matter anymore. So I found that to be, um, I, I found that most of the companies fell into the trap of trying to replicate what they did in their gym and do it online. That didn't work. For me, it was very clear early on that it's not only impossible, it's a failed attempt, okay? Like you can't replicate what's happening in a gym online because there's a feeling that you get when you go into a place. It's the people, it's the yeah. sweat, it's the, right? It's the, it's, vibe. it's, the, it's the beautiful people that you see there and everybody is like, and you get the right lighting and everybody's gorgeous, right? Because you just came out of class and it's like, and, <laughs> Can't get that online. Like you just can't get that on Zoom. So what we did is we didn't try to replicate that. Like we we didn't try to replicate that. We decided to create a program that is significantly better at what people need today. And what people needed today wasn't a feeling of that swaggy New York kind of thing. Right back in I'm talking March, April, right? Like people back then had a hard time getting out of bed. Right, like they they needed something significantly deeper to go into their souls yes. to get them up and get them moving. So we created a program because uh, I and I knew that if if my emotions, right, fear, anxiety, sadness, anger, mm-hmm. I feel it, then every entrepreneur feels it right now. Unless you're one of the fortunate entrepreneurs that your business lends itself. To, to to corona right like zoom and like amazon like all these all these all these giants that were um that until that point they became the option and after corona they became the must yes. right like zoom was an option to meeting in person but what happens when the option of meeting in person is taken away <laughs> zoom becomes something extremely powerful right <laughs> so but but other entrepreneurs have experiencing what I experienced, I felt, okay, they need a solution to, uh, to that problem. And I had so many entrepreneurs being attracted to our program anyways, because we're fighters and a fighting mentality and an entrepreneur, they're, they're always in some sort of a fight or a battle. So they get all the special forces mindset, uh, uh, that aspect of it, but also getting their body stronger and the nutrition on point and all this other stuff, right? So the whole physical aspect comes into play. Uh, but for us, we said, okay, so instead of us trying to replicate the class, because I don't think people really care about a class right now, mm-hmm. people need to get stronger. People need to feel not isolated. People need to feel like there is a, like they have a schedule, like they have a plan, right? Even a routine, like the word routine is, is like boring, but when you take people out of their routine and they, they're just like in space, like they don't know what's going on. So they turn to alcohol, they turn to drugs, they turn to just yep. being depressed, they turn to fighting with everybody around them, they turn to victim mindset, right? Why me? Why us? Why can't I? Why, why, why? All these questions. And then the financial hardships that come with that, right? Like if your business take a hit or you lost your job or all this other stuff. How do we solve? So we figured out that we need, our place in the world needs to solve that for them. So we created a program where you still have classes that you can go. But that, those classes, which are super fun and they're very branded and music and that, and we can compete on a class with any of the other big shots, but that's only like 10% of what we offer the class, All right? What we did offer is basically a step-by-step to-do list where they have to do it every day from the moment they wake up 
okay, the moment they go to sleep, which 100% gets them to focus on themselves so and awesome. on growing, on becoming better, on their nutrition. And we assign the coach to every single person to make sure that they actually follow the blueprint. Wow. Yeah. So we create a blueprint for ourselves to succeed. And then we force everybody else to jump into the blueprint with us so that everybody will succeed. That is so and good. then we were holding them accountable to it, which is what's missing in most coaching programs these days. Yeah. yeah. Is that they give you the blueprint and you're on your own. Yes. So, yes. right. And we decided that we are not going to leave people on their own. We're going to hold them accountable to their own success. So, they could use this time, this time off, right? Mm. To either become the worst version of themselves. Stop working out, eat like shit, drink, do all this stuff to make themselves feel better. But in the end, they just become fatter and miserable and sick. Yeah. Or they can follow our blueprint and we make sure we check on them every day to become the best versions of themselves. The most healthy versions of themselves, the leanest version of themselves, the most muscle version of themselves. Learn the skills, learn the actual fight skills. Connect with other people, connect in the community, share, right? Like expose yeah. yourself, get raw, get real. That accountability accountability changed the game for us so you have a 700 million dollar company that hopes people are going to show up for the little fucking sorry you know <laughs> dancing clown that they're dancing in their own kitchen they didn't even invest in creating like a nice beautiful space for them to train from they started to train from their kitchen or you can you can train with us and you can have fun with an instructor that is dancing our instructors don't dance in their kitchens every instructor built a full-on fit hit studio in their home Awesome. It was like they ripped everything from the gym and we rebuilt the gym in small, smaller types of gyms in the homes of the instructors. So when the students came in there, they felt like they were in, in the, the gym. Like it was the gym that they recognized from New York, even yeah. though it was six different locations, but it looks the same. But that was, again, that was a smaller part. And the bigger part of it was to make sure that you show up, mm. not just for the class, show up for yourself every morning, show up in the evening for yourself. Detach yourself from technology when you need to, right? Detach yourself from the insane, vicious cycle of news that was just drowning everybody into like really bad anxiety and depression uh, this entire year. So we help people accountable to that. And the growth stories that came out of it were incredible. They were, they were inspiring us to know that we were on the right track. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, you know, it's tough, but you know, but we're going to win with that. Like, that's how we're going to win. That is so, so you basically kick Corona's butt and you just, you started this online thing. Did it, did it, was the growth on that faster than your actual physical gyms when you started that? Was there what? The growth of your online venture, was that faster growth than your actual physical gyms? You know what? It's a good, it's a good question. Um, so we had to figure out a lot in, in the beginning because we didn't know how to do online when this whole yeah. thing happened. Like we all had to stretch ourselves to learn how to do this, how to do this new thing. So it wasn't as fast as when we opened up the gym because we were the best at what we did when we opened. Yeah. That's why we grew so fast because we already had uh, uh, like a huge following and we already had a name and we already had like recognition. People knew that they come to us, they see real results. We were winning in competition. So like we, we kind of we had a name. The online was a new game for us, which we had to crack. And it took us a couple of months to, to crack that and, and hack that. Uh, but the opportunities that came from the online are significantly bigger, right? So if I take three years mm -hmm. brick and mortar versus three years online, yeah. the online seems a lot more interesting to me these days 
yes. because we uh, we are already serving clients at all 50 states and for us to do that with brick and mortar we take yes a bunch of years right <laughs> like to open all these locations in every state yes it takes a long time but when we pivoted online we started advertising everywhere and now we're attracting people from everywhere and it makes us feel really good because our product isn't just new york anymore Yes. You know, our product is Texas and our product is Colorado and our product is LA and our product is Miami and our product is Idaho and our product is like, you know, like middle of the country. And then we started getting people internationally and we don't even work on their time schedule, but they enjoy the program so much that they will do it at very odd times in the middle of the night. And we have people in Israel and in India, in England and in Spain. We got two people in Germany. Like, <laughs> oh, cool. and so, so for us to develop that type of reach, would have been significantly more time consuming. I mean, that was the original plan, but it was a much longer plan. But what Corona did is that it took down those barriers for expansion. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So now, so now we are, so now we're building uh, a very, very strong foundation yes. for exponential growth. Yeah. Which 2021 is when you're going to see that. So when the coronavirus one day actually, I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but, you know, come to a hold and life can get back to normal for most of the world, would you still consume your dream? Because I remember you were saying that you guys wanted to actually have one of your gyms in each state. Is that still yeah. something that you would work on, you know, putting the online game aside? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a really good question. So I, like my prediction is, is that, um, once people regain trust in going to gyms, right? Mm -hmm. So Corona has worked itself out. I don't know, vaccine worked out. Now then now it's not so scary anymore outside and people will go back to normal. Yes. Uh, yes, absolutely. So like the goal right now is actually to expand on both markets, online, which mm -hmm. is faster, yes. but also brick and mortar because the brick and mortar still has a, uh, that feeling it's very hard to replicate online. You can't you can't really replicate it yes. online. No no company hacked it because it doesn't exist. Yes. Okay, that that smell. You know, like you walk into a gym and that's the familiar smell. <laughs> and if it's a good gym, it smells good. It doesn't just smell like sweat, but it's like it smells good with like a hint of sweat. It's the people that you see there, right? It's the conversation that you have before and after. It's your coach that you can that gives you a high five. Like those little things. Mm -hmm. Um. I believe are going to be strong enough magnets if you have a really good product because we were really proud of what we created like yes. we were a magnet mm. we were training a ton of people every day yes. um yeah so uh, so yeah so the goal is to continue doing doing that yes but but not yet you know like we, we want to get that online thing to uh to, to a certain critical mass mm. before we start building up yeah, because you guys have grown very fast in the online space in a very short period of time. So, you know, your growth, yeah. I think, you know, just personally thinking out loud, yeah, I think your growth will be very fast. Um, do you have ways to keep up with your growth online? Well, it's easy. Like, it's not, it's actually not that hard once you, once, once you create, like, a crazy amount of automation <laughs> and you have people that are fully devoted to the cause and, and they just recognize bottlenecks because what happens when you grow is is bottlenecks starts to happen. Mm -hmm. So so the idea is to, um, and this is what my team does, right? So this is where I, I really let my team take the the rain on, yes. is to constantly look for the bottlenecks mm -hmm. and eliminate them 
right? One way or another, if it's technological, if it's a new process or whatever, eliminate bottlenecks. And the second thing, and this is something we started doing in May, we started that we are only making decisions that would make sense to a million clients. So we are not adding any new thing that can only work for a hundred clients, but it will break at a thousand. Okay. It will only work for a thousand, but it will break at a hundred thousand. So we are thinking, okay, what's the, what's the most insane number of clients we'll get in a day? Whatever process we're creating today has to account for that. Whatever mm-hmm. technology we're using today has to account for that. Um, so that, that, that's, how I, that's how I make my, th- my team think. And that's how we reduce bottlenecks. Yes. That is such okay, a great Because idea. we can say, hey, you know what would be a great idea if you can do this, 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 and that. And it's like, okay, that's great. That, that works with a few hundred clients. That might mm-hmm. work with like 2,000 clients. Okay, what happened if 10,000 clients? Yes. Ah, that's probably, you know, it's going to slow down, right? At 10,000. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's, so let's figure out a better way to do it. Okay. So how do we, how do we maintain the spirit of this great idea? Yeah. But not the, but the, but an execution that I don't, you know, I don't want to break. Yes. I don't want the business to break when we hit a few, you know, a couple of more thousand people. So and that's a so great that's, that, that's 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 how we mitigate growth. You yes. know, you, you make the decisions early on with big numbers in mind. That is you think too. That is actually very awesome that you say that because a lot of times people will start out and they just think of now, they don't think of heat. And and that's where a lot of companies get stuck. They reach like 100K or 150K and they get stuck because they don't know the next step because they never thought of building their business to exactly, you know, going forward. Yeah, um, that's exactly it. And, I, and, I, was, and I, was, I was that entrepreneur for about seven years. Yeah. You know, like I always reached the moment yes. where I just couldn't grow past it. Like no matter what I did, I couldn't grow past it. And it's because yeah. I failed to realize that the biggest bottleneck in the business, this guy. <laughs> you are the biggest bottleneck in the business. Yeah. And once you start removing yourself, then you and then traffic can start can start going, and then and you can just like d- direct the traffic where you want it to go, but not not handle it like hands hands on. Yeah. Uh, but that's yeah. I, I believe most small businesses get stuck because the entrepreneur thinks that they're special, and you know there's the, they can, they're the only one who can do what they do. No. And I and now and I was that guy for eight years yeah. until, um, you know, until I got my head on screwed straight by a couple of smart people. Uh, and what I thought I was the best at everything that I can do, I can teach someone else to do. Yeah. So, if you develop, if you develop a a culture of uh, of growth in your company and trust in your company, then you can start trusting your own little baby because I don't think people that are not entrepreneurs, like when you say that your business is your baby, I actually have a baby right now and I still see my business as a baby. Yeah. You know, <laughs> people are telling me, stop calling your business a baby. You don't even have kids. I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Stop calling your baby a baby. Like the business is the first <laughs> baby and like your human baby. Like, I'm... And now I actually have a baby, which is the most important thing in my life. But I think only entrepreneurs really understand the emotional connection that you have to your business, right? Yes. It is something that you created, foster, help grow. Like it's very, exactly. it's very familiar like that. Exactly. Uh, so to take that baby and let a bunch of other people run it, it's hard. Yes. Right? But but once you once you do that step and create a create a company culture that that fosters that makes it okay for them to run it for you, mm. then yeah. that's where growth happens. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Because then exactly. then you're not a one man show anymore. And, and once I understood it, I went from six people to 32 people in a matter of months, in less than a year. Wow. 
Yeah, like once I, once once the the realization hit me that everything that I can do, I can teach someone else to do. Yes. So that became my job, teaching other people to do what I know how to do. And then what I didn't know how to do, hire people to do what I don't know how to do. Yeah, because it's about the who, not the how. You know, you need to take yourself out of it. So you can also just have some time with your family. Are you probably happy now that you did that before? Because now you can actually have more time with your family, especially with the new baby. I yes, one hundred percent. I, um, uh, you know, time with my baby is something that is very important to me. I can say that over the years of being an entrepreneur, I burnt a lot of relationships because the business was always more important and more time consuming. And I just wanted to give that time to the business. It was more interesting to me than any other, any other human connection. Uh, <laughs> but at a certain point, at a certain point, when, when things become family, now it's not the same case anymore, right? Now you, you want to spend time with your wife and with your child. Yes. And the only way you can do that without keeping your brain thinking about it and actually being in the moment is knowing that you have a capable team yes. that can just handle everything, right? I, I can sit here and talk to you right now during prime time, 6.30 p.m. in New York. <laughs> and, and, and I don't even know, like, you know, like what's happening on the ground in class right now. I just, I know that I have very capable individuals over there that are going to kick butt and allow me the time to... To, to be here and after this have dinner and enjoy my day and whatever <laughs> yeah and it's I've actually because I do different seasons on my podcast and this one specifically is about growing and scouting your business and um, I just and this is one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to interview because I just feel like you, you've grown so fast in such a short period of time and obviously you know you've got your team running so do you think your team was like the biggest contribution for your you know your your fast growth is there anything else that you can add to that I'm. I will. I will put every single achievement that my business have made in the hands of my team. I am very grateful to have the people that I have around me. They're not just brilliant. They will outwork anybody. Wow. And 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 here's the thing, right? Like you look at companies like Gold Gym that just declared bankruptcy, right? Huge companies and New York Sports Club, yes. public company, declared a 24-hour fitness, a billion-dollar company just declared bankruptcy. Wow. So when I look at my team. You know, I look at my program director and I have this conversation with them. And I was like, you're a program director. New York Sports Club has a program director. They couldn't figure it out. Billion dollar company, but you can figure it out. Wow. 24 Hour Fitness has a has an instructor, has head of instructors. Yes. And that head of instructors couldn't figure it out. And my head of instructors, you were able to figure it out. My chief of operations, you know, this huge company Yoga Works, another huge company, right? In the yoga field, they just declared bankruptcy. They're going out of business. Wow. They had an operations manager. They couldn't figure out operation, and you did. And to be able to look every single person on my team in the eyes and know that they were able to deliver on a higher level than some of the biggest companies in the world um, makes me very uh, grateful for them mm-hmm. and very confident yes. at what's going to happen next. Okay. Did you did you have a process on hiring staff that is so loyal to you and so good in what they do? Did you have a certain process? Was it did it take long to find people like that, or was it just about you know looking at their personality types? What was your process to hire people that just are so amazing? So I would I would like to take this this question and actually shout out our mutual friend Alex Sharpen. Uh, which I joined his mastermind back in I think 2018 or something like that. And he was the one that really started opening my mind to what a team is, right? I think that the, the most yes. 
the, what the, the biggest thing that I, that I picked up from that mastermind is the strength of a team, how to grow and how to hire. So uh, I would say that, yes, we do have a process. And that process light, leans very heavily on that program. Yes. But to keep it very kind of on the simple level, mm-hmm. there are certain psychological profiles that every employee has to go through before they even begin with us. So we kind of know what makes them tick and what makes them happy. Yeah. And we try to position people that would naturally fit in where they are psychologically. Mm-hmm. There is an onboarding process that's very important to take a, to take an employee from zero to being a rock star. So there's a lot of, uh, so the onboarding process is long, but it's, it's step by step and it helps them really start taking ownership of what they do. Yes. And then on uh, another level, there is, a, there is a process of full transparency in the business. So everybody knows all the time what's going on and how they're impacting the overall picture. Yeah. And most people in bigger companies, they don't know that, right? Mm-hmm. And we have it with the workforce. It used to work for bigger companies and they, they were never exposed to the good things, to the bad things. They're like, well, that's the job. You know, you do your thing, you get X amount per hour and do that. For us, you know, the front desk girl knows how much money we made last month, how much we won, how much we lost. And the fact that she picked up the phone calls, you know, a little more than everybody else actually made a difference in our company's bottom line. So she feels connected to it. And if we go down, she needs to know that she needs to step up her game because she's the first one to pick up the call, even though she doesn't do sales and she doesn't do training and she doesn't do anything, right? Entry-level employees with us know everything about the company, soup to nuts. Wow, that's interesting. You know, like it's like full yes. transparency yes. with every single employee. And when you do that, you build such a level of trust and connection, Yeah. right? Like when they know how much clients we had today and how much clients we had yesterday, and we check that number every single day. If that number went up, we're all happy. If that number went down, what's going on? <laughs> so, so being a part of that like entrepreneurial roller coaster mm-hmm. is, uh, is exciting to them because, because they're really a part of it. Yes. Um, so that in a nutshell, mm-hmm. right? How how I got my how I got my team to uh, to buy into the to buy into the mission. I don't hold. They see everything and they see where they impact the big picture, and they see where I impact the big picture also. You know, mm-hmm. my day is available for them. Like they see my to do list. They see what the CEO is working on at any given moment. They can log in and see what Matari is working on, so they can see the next levels and all the other stuff. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's basically what it is. That's that's very awesome, and it's it does it makes people feel more valuable and say you know what I actually I'm doing this because it's an overall vision for the company, and it's important for people mm-hmm. to be part of that vision, right? So yeah. I have a question for you on goals. Uh, you can see I've got a big thing hashtag goals, and that really started when okay. I was um, trying. Somebody somebody asked me yesterday about the American dream, and I was like, I don't like even I don't even like the word dream. I call it the American goal. You know, a dream, you got to be asleep for a dream. For goals, you got to wake up and start moving. So <laughs> it's not about goals that. and not dreams. <laughs> that is so true. So how do you set goals? What is your, what's your number one method on how you set your goals? Uh, that's, that's a good question. Um, so I'm working on a goal setting system that, uh, that looks at like the big picture, like what kind of change I want to make in the world, and then breaks it down to yearly goals. Quarterly goals, yeah. Monthly goals, mm-hmm. weekly goals, mm-hmm. and daily. So, nice. 
uh, everything. And then the day starts with, you know, your, the, the things that you got to get done that you need to get done. Mm-hmm. And you don't do anything that, that you cannot directly connect to the thing you needed to do for the week. And you don't do anything there that doesn't connect directly to do for the month. And you don't do anything there that directly connect to what you do in the quarter. And you don't do anything there that connect for the year. And you don't put anything on the year that doesn't connect to your big, big goal of the things that you'd like to accomplish when you grow up. So, so I like to set, so I like to start with the big, right? This is the type of change we want to make in the world and then work our way down towards a, uh, uh, what happens on like the day to day type, uh, type goals. Yes. Uh, and I have my goals, which are very ambitious. And they're very big. And I share them with my team. Mm-hmm. And then they come up with the micro goals of what needs to happen for us to get there. So awesome. Do you guys put it on a planner? Like, do you have an actual planner that you would plan these things out? Like a physical yeah. planner or an online planner? It's an online planner, yeah, that we yeah. use. It's an online planner and it's all written out. Nice. And everybody's role yes. in accomplishing the goal is spelled mm-hmm. out. So everybody can see what everybody else is working on, how we're all working together to achieve yes. uh, our, our, our big goals of what we're doing. And, it, and, it, and it's on a day-to-day basis. So that's how we keep people moving. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's a strategy that I also learned from from Alex. If you're an entrepreneur and you haven't signed up for Alex Shopping, just go ahead and do that. Yeah, please, please <laughs> do. We'll even like just pop you the just link on it. it. Yeah, and there's, no, it. there's nothing for us in it if you sign up. There's nothing for us in it. Yeah, nothing. Just, there's it's no... It's amazing. Know, yeah, but I can tell you that it yeah. has been a game changer for me uh, and and for my team. The realization of the importance of the business. So that you know, so that probably is good, you know, for, for a team standpoint. Yes. Uh, but then other goals. You know, when you when you when you're thinking about goals, is uh, it's like you have to be honest with what with what makes you tick and what makes you move. Mm. You know, for many years, I thought I was I was motivated by ego, you know. So for me, it's like it was like the expensive suit and the expensive this and what it looked like. And like those were like the thing, the motivating things. And slowly those started really the client. I didn't really find much happiness in it. But it, but it was that because I came from nothing, right? Like I came from, from nothing, nothing. Yes. You know, I showed up in New York with 700 bucks and that's all the money I had in the world. And it's wow. because I got it from the army when I got out. And that was it. Um you know, like my first real apartment was a boiler room in a building. You know, I couldn't even rent an apartment. I rented the basement next to the boiler of the building and put a mattress and a pot on the street. And that was my, that was my place <laughs> in the first few months. So, so for me, the, the thing, the goals were more materialistic. You know, mm-hmm. I looked, I looked into the big buildings and I said, one day I'm going to be in those buildings. Like, and you know, and then I started achieving goals based on based on on spite like that, you know. Like, mm-hmm. let's say if I had a client, like a rich client, and they lived in a in a very rich building, I made it a goal that when I can afford, I'm gonna live in that building. You know what I mean? Like, I'm gonna live in the building my rich client is. So, so that becomes very real for me. And then I aim for that. And then I did that. And then I moved to the building, right? Which is like the first time I had like a doorman and yes sir and no sir and like this whole like game of. Uh, <laughs> on your important right <laughs> but 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 it was it was it was because he lived there right and i and i and i also wanted that my next apartment after that had to be a penthouse because i started in a basement so right so so i set my goals based on stuff like that right it's like it's it's weird but it's almost to spite myself 
Yes. You know, you started in a boiler room. Your next one, it has to be. It has to be a penthouse. Like, doesn't matter. Okay. You know, it has to be above the thirtieth floor. Like, it can't be a penthouse on the sixth floor. So it has to be above the thirtieth floor, <laughs> and it has to be the pH button. It can't have a number on it. It has to have the the letters pH. You know. So I got that because I started in a basement. You know. So that's that's why the penthouse goal was a goal. But after I hit those, like, then then it becomes then it starts like, all right, like. Like, okay, so what? So and so higher, so whatever, like that doesn't make me like any any growth on that level didn't actually make me happier. Yes. And making more impact started making me happier. Impact and right? impact, getting feedback, getting feedback from mm-hmm. clients. So if I get 10 clients to tell me that I've changed their life, that's amazing. If I get a hundred clients telling me that they changed their life, I feel 10 times better. So yes, let's go there. If I have a thousand clients telling me, that's it. You've changed my life. You've changed my outlook. And I owe my successes to you. I just received an email that says, my, all of our successes, you are to blame for. Literally, that was how they ended the sentence. Well, I am the blame for their successes. I actually that, get you from. That is so cool. I, I, and I, that's why I like waking up in the morning. Yeah. So, so you know, so, the, so there's the material goals yes. of, of the stuff. And then I spent the last few years moving away from that. You know, I got a house out in the woods alone surrounded by nothing but nature with a bunch of land where I can't see another human soul. <laughs> it turned out to be a really good investment for COVID because I didn't have to deal with the craziness of the city. Right? And he yeah. was back to roots. He was back to zero. He was lighting fire and cutting trees and it's like, nice. no doorman. I don't even get mail up here. Even the post office doesn't, doesn't arrive here. No cell phone reception. There's no tower for cell phone anywhere near here. So all the things that used to be goals yes. now are like, okay, I'm over that. Yes. Now it's internal. Right now, I want to grow as a human. I want to make a good impact on the world, and I want, and I want the, uh, uh, I want, I want that feeling every single morning to know that I just made somebody's life like way better than they were a month ago. Yes. And, so, yeah. yeah, and that's the slogan of our company. It's called "It's Fit Hit Make an Impact." Nice. That which is, is double because we're we're fighting yes. company, right? So yes. you make an impact with striking, but you also make an impact in reality. I love that. That is so inspirational. You are a very inspirational person to listen to, Matan. I'm so grateful that I actually have this interview with you. I always ask this question at the end of all my interviews, and that is because my my podcast is really also geared towards people that are struggling with their journey. And um, I've got this this crazy thing in my in myself where I want to break poverty in the world where I can. And where I can inspire people to listen to my podcast. My podcast actually get listened a lot in the third world countries, especially Africa. I've got quite a big listenership there. And um, so I want to I want to help people with their, you know, like their thinking process and all of that. So um, if there's somebody that's sitting on the fence and they just don't know if I, they can take that step, if they should actually start, you know, their journey because they're scared something is holding them back. What is your advice that you can give somebody like that? Um, well, there's 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 a few there's a few things that really there's a few questions that I ask myself before making any moves yes. that that help me make the harder decisions. Okay, yes. the first one is what's the worst that could happen? So if you're already in a life that you don't like, what's the worst that could happen? You'll end up probably around the same place, right? Because you have a certain skill set right now that gives you the life that you have today. Yeah. Going out there, venturing and doing something new, crashing and failing, you still have that skill set. So whatever it is you have today, that's if you're, that should be like your new minimum, okay? So whatever it is you have today, it's your new minimum. And uh, 
So I always ask myself, like, what's the worst that could happen? And it's never actually that bad. Like once you start running through it. Okay, let's say I'm going to invest in this new marketing thing. But it's so expensive, right? And it's tricky times right now. Okay, what's the worst that could happen? Well, we'll run out of money. Okay, so what's the worst that could happen then? Well, we won't be able to pay everybody that we need to pay and all this other stuff. Okay, what's the worst that could happen? Now we shut down the business. And then what? And then I'm still a very talented, motivated dude that figures shit out. Now figure it out because I've done it before. Like, you know, I've already been in nothing. And now I'm now I'm that guy with 20 years experience. So like what's the worst that could happen? Go back to the boiler room? You know, like that that's that that's not even an option anymore. (laughs) Okay. Because I I can be because I'm broke. So let's say I go back to broke, but now I'm broke with 20 years experience. That's not the same broke. Right? It's not the same broke. You only get that experience from going out there and doing shit and failing. Mm-hmm. Okay? Let's say you get experience. I'm going to tell you another thing. And this is something that we preach. Is on. So we have a 16-week uh, program, basically. Most people come in for us it's for 16 weeks, and we take them through a mental fortitude every single week. And we make them see things in a different way. One of the things we talk about is the debilitating aspect of comfort zone. Okay, like you're comfortable right now. Yeah. And the reason you're afraid to make moves, right? Because it means you get out of your comfort zone. Now, what is that comfort zone? Comfort zone is the limit of your abilities, your talents, your knowledge, yeah. right? That's where it ends. Mm-hmm. Going past it basically means that you're very likely to fail because it's outside of the things you know how to do, right? Physical pain, emotional pain, rejection, all happen over there at that, at that part. But unfortunately, growth also happens over there. So, so you have to start pushing mm-hmm. the limits of your, of your comfort. And it, mm-hmm. and it needs to be at the edges. It needs to be at the place where you don't really know what's going to happen. Like you don't really know. You have to take a chance on yourself. Like bet on yourself that you're going to win. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you start pushing those edges. And all of a sudden, that circle of comfort becomes bigger. Mm-hmm. And we don't call it, and what we, we refer to now is the zone of competence. So we, we move from, from comfort mm-hmm. to competence. And competence happens at the edges, right? And the more you push, the more competent you become. And all of a sudden, yes. all of a sudden, things start to happen for you. Yes. Uh, so you have to have faith. Mm-hmm. Some people have faith in something external. I have faith in something internal. Okay, but whatever it is for you, external or internal, just believe it's going to be okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> then, like, you go out there and you believe it's going to be okay, mm-hmm. maybe it just will. <laughs> that is and, good. Uh, yeah, so. That is helps. really, really good advice. Where can people reach you? Wait, how can they join your programs? You know, um, how can you help them to change their lives? Is there anything that we can direct the audience to? Sure. So what, what I'll do, Joe, if you don't mind, is I can give you like a link to put somewhere yes. uh, on yes. this page where they, where they could go. That link is usually, um, so what, what we do right now, even though we have like vast marketing resources and people get to us, they all come to the same place. We interview every single person when they come to us okay. because we want to make sure that we can help them get to, to the next level. Yes. So um, all they have to do is basically show interest by filling out a quick form with a bunch of questions. And then answer when we reach out to them, usually via text, SMS. That's how we start the conversation. Okay. Um, 
uh, we are now in a place where we are so committed to changing everybody's life and our community is so strong. So the community also helps elevate you. So it's not just us, the instructors and the team and the crew, it's every single person in the program. A part of being in the program is to elevate others. Awesome. So you're constantly being elevated. And then you also have to elevate, which is an unbelievable place to be. Mm -hmm. So so that's why we go through a screening process, just to make sure that the right people are coming in, people that are ready to make a change, ready to make to, to move their, their body and mind and soul and to, to the next level mm -hmm. and commit themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so I will give you the link and then people could easily uh, click on it. Yes. And we can take it from there. Yes, definitely. Is there anything that you wanted to add to the audience, knowing my audience, anything else that you wanted to mention? Um, if, 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 if you're an entrepreneur at heart, but you're not an entrepreneur yet, which means you don't have a business and you are at a job, but knowing in your heart that you're an entrepreneur because you would love, even the business that you're in, you already found 10 ways. If you were the boss, you would have made it better, right? If you're an entrepreneur at heart, take the chance on yourself, knowing that it's going to be probably 10 times harder than what you're doing right now, but also significantly more rewarding. And not just with money, like don't expect the money to come in. That's not what the rewards are at the beginning of entrepreneurship, okay? <laughs> no matter who it is. That's so true. Uh, it, it's not. People think you're going to entrepreneur and all of a sudden you're rich and you, you become like, no. like not rich, like a lot less, like whatever you have now, you probably won't have less as an entrepreneur when you get started. Yeah. You know, um, Elon Musk said something in an interview, which <laughs> just like stuck with me. And so I'm going to say what he said. And if you want to continue becoming an entrepreneur after that, just go for it. He said that entrepreneurship is like chewing glass and staring into the abyss. <laughs> that, that is an Elon Musk For thing. many, many years before it becomes something of value. So if you're in the place where you're okay with chewing glass and staring into the abyss for a couple of years before you can make a real impact on the world, like take that bet on yourself. Okay, and then just know that whatever happens, dude, or do that, man or female, that's, that's what you got, and you're gonna win with that. Oh. That's what I'm gonna do. That is fantastic, Matan. Thank you so much for your time. This was incredible. I really, your brain and the way that you think, your thinking process is just all amazing. And I'm so grateful that you were on this interview with me. So thank you so very much. I really appreciate you. And Thanks, we will definitely drop the links below and you guys can, you know, um, apply for the program and get your fit on and your mindset and all the beautiful things that I've got to offer. Thank you so very much. And um, you must have a great day and good luck with everything going on in, you know, with New York and all the things happening that side as well. Thanks, Joy. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Bye, everybody.